0: This is episode 101 of the Dear Discreet Guide Trouble at Work podcast. This episode is titled, What the Pandemic is Teaching Us About Leave Policies in the U.S. This episode is part of our daily series or near daily series during the pandemic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dear Discreet Guide, Trouble at Work, where we talk about work, working, and how to make work better. If it's work-related, we're on it. Who knew talking about work would be this much fun? I'm Jennifer Crittenden, a former CFO and host of the show. And thank you for joining our quest to improve our workplaces. Let's do this. I am honored to welcome a new guest to the show. Christine Dinan is with us today to talk about what the pandemic is teaching us about leave policies in the United States. And I'll introduce her. She's a senior staff attorney at an organization called A Better Balance, the Work and Family Legal Center. And A Better Balance is a national legal advocacy organization dedicated to promoting fairness in the workplace and helping employees meet the conflicting demands of work and family through policy advocacy outreach and direct legal services. In her role as senior staff attorney, Christine works to enforce legal protections for pregnant workers and caregivers through direct services and impact litigation. Before she joined A Better Balance, she was an Equal Justice Works Fellow and subsequently counsel at the Washington Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights and Urban Affairs in Washington, D.C., where she represented low-income workers in employment discrimination and wage and hour cases, with a focus on pregnancy discrimination and issues involving the Family and Medical Leave Act. She previously clerked for the Honorable Stuart G. Nash, as well as for a group of senior judges at the District of Columbia Superior Court. She's a graduate of Cornell University and the University of Virginia School of Law. So welcome to the show, Christine. Thanks so much for having me. All right. I think a lot of us in the United States have a sense that our leave policies differ from other first world countries and developed nations. Can you kind of give us a broad picture of some big examples about how we might be different?
1: Sure. Um, So, unfortunately, the United States is really an outlier in this space. Um, We have the unenviable distinction of being one of only two countries, uh, it's just us and Papua New Guinea, that do not provide any right at the federal level to pay parental leave. Um, So, leave following the birth of a child. Um, We have interesting company. (laughs) Interesting company. (laughs) Certainly. (laughs) That's certainly the case. Fun fact. So we do have a law called the Federal Family Medical Leave Act, or FMLA, which a lot of folks are familiar with, which provides a right to 12 weeks of job-protected leave following the birth of a child, including um, adoption or placement of a foster child. But there's no requirement that that leave be paid, um, only that the job be protected and benefits continue, including health insurance. In addition to the fact that it's not required to be paid, it also leaves out a lot of workers. About 40% of American workers aren't covered at all by the FMLA. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly um, an important protection to have, but it doesn't go nearly far enough. Uh, now, a number of, of states and um, localities have passed their own protections for paid family medical leave in, in certain circumstances that have filled that gap, but there is no right to pay, pay parental leave at the federal level.
0: Okay. So I think you're in New York, I'm in California. I think we do have more generous policies, as you say, at the state level. So depending on the state and the employer, they might have access to some uh, sick leave or parental leave, but those are usually employer based, right? And so what kind of problems are there with that?
1: Yeah. So um, the the problem with that is that Depending on how you define employer and employee, um, they typically leave out a lot of folks who are working, um, particularly in our new um, sort of non-traditional jobs in, in the gig economy. Um, so folks like independent contractors, temporary workers, seasonal workers, those who are self employed are often not covered by these laws.
0: All right. When you and I talked um, in preparing for this episode, you made some interesting comments about arguments in support of paid sick leave sort of a moral argument, and now a public health argument. And if a person is choosing between staying home versus working while sick, how can that contribute to a pandemic? So give us those, the public health argument, as well as the moral one.
1: Sure. So so the moral argument is, is just basically that Employees should be allowed to stay home when when they're sick, because that's the way we would all like to be treated. Folks shouldn't have to choose between their health and a paycheck, um, make those decisions about whether they can tough it out um, and and go into work, or the prospect of of leaving a a sick family member at home without care. Um, Often these protections extend to caring for family members and loved ones. But the public health argument goes beyond just the individual employee and their choices and recognizes that it's better for the community... Um, if we don't have workers who are sick going into work and potentially infecting their, their co-workers, their customers, their clients, um, we want to contain illnesses um, and, and allow folks to get better. And in a pandemic like the one we are currently in, where we have a highly infectious disease that passes from person to person quite easily, that argument has come into really sharp focus where all of a sudden we're realizing um, the risk to entire communities of a worker who is serving food to someone, um, and that contact may lead to very quickly spread of of a pretty dangerous disease.
0: It seems to me there's some kind of weird things that are happening. I keep an eye on this little town in the Eastern Sierra where I often spend the summers, and the health officials there have kind of really moved very aggressively, uh, quite differently from other counties, but for whatever reason, That particular health official is being very aggressive and asking in this really small town, so imagine what this is like, that people report to him if they observe someone working while they're sick. And he has said, you know, every case that gets reported to me, I will investigate. And if I find that an employee has been working while sick, I will close down the business. To me, this just seems kind of... I I don't know inappropriate springs to mind, but somehow there's something really wrong with the way we're going about this. Do you have any thoughts?
1: So it's it's really tricky because um I, you know in a lot of these employee uh, relationships there's there's a tension between um, individual rights and right to decide um, what's best for you um, and your health and your family and and your financial situation and the concerns of, of your employer in the broader community. And I think in this current situation, we are seeing that tension, Mm. um, really front and center where we have community wide concerns on, on a, on a really broad scale about the impact of, you know, all of these individual choices on the collective community, which, uh, of course is, is constraining the choices that individual business owners can make and that individual workers can make about, um, you know, risks they're willing to take and, and their need for income. So it's, It's certainly challenging.
0: Yeah, it seems to me that a lot of, well, you and I talked about this earlier, it seems like some of the cracks in our system are Mm -hmm. are being more revealed now. Do you feel as though the pandemic has led to more recognition of the importance of sick, sick leave? And how do you think it's helping or hurting the conversation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think um, a lot of folks are shocked to know that so many workers don't have access to sick leave. Uh, We talked about parental leave and and family medical leave at at the very beginning of our conversation, but the U.S. also doesn't have any federal right to sick time, to to pay time off when you're sick. Um, And 33 million workers in this country do not have access to a single paid sick day. Um, and that's something that we at A Better Balance have been concerned about for a very long time and, and working to improve. Um, and now I think that th- those those statistics and that reality are, are really coming into focus um, for so many folks. And, and it's important to recognize that if, if a worker does not have access to paid sick time, um, they likely don't also, they also lack um, the anti-retaliation protections that come with sick time protection. So they can not only lose pay when they stay home when they're sick, but they can lose their job. Um, A lot of employers have strict attendance policies under which workers are assessed points or demerits. They're sometimes called um, anytime they're absent, including when they're sick. Um, And if there's not a law in place that guarantees you a right to take time off when you're sick, that, that could be, you know, entirely lawful. And um, that's that's really an impossible choice facing workers, not only losing pay, but not having a job to go back to when when they're feeling better.
0: Well, I'm really glad that you're bringing some of this up, because I do think that there's a lack of knowledge, at least on my part. I didn't know that that companies were taking these kind of mean measures against their employees if they're sick. I mean... It happens to the best of us that we get sick. So I don't know if you're willing to name names, but are some of these employers <laughs> are larger employers in the U.S.? Or, or what kind of employers are taking those kinds of steps really against their employees?
1: Sure. So so it exists um, across multiple industries. We've seen it with some of the largest employers, small employers, multi-state employers, um, it's particularly common, I would say, these, these mostly exist um, in physically demanding jobs, warehouses, distribution centers, um, retail manufacturing, um, jobs that don't necessarily take place in an office setting um, where, you know, folks are more likely to need to stay home when they're sick, uh, when they physically can't be on their feet all day or, um, you know, need to go see a doctor. So it, it, is, it is fairly widespread uh, and certainly something that's, that's concerning to us.
0: Yeah, that also seems counterintuitive, right? So if somebody gets sick, you might be able to do your office job while you're sick, because, you know, maybe you just have a cold. And I mean, setting aside the fact that you're going to infect your coworkers, But if you're sick like that, you know, even something fairly minor could be debilitating enough to where you can't lift heavy things or do construction or work in a mine or well <laughs> it seems completely right. backwards. <laughs> no,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. These these are these are the jobs where um you know your ability to to really get through the day is severely compromised depending on, you know, the nature of the illness.
0: So some states do require uh that employers provide 40 hours of sick leave a year which you know under normal circumstances sounds like kind of a lot, right? You know, five days. But we're seeing now, under the conditions of a pandemic, that that's not nearly enough. So what recommendations would a better balance make uh, to address that kind of problem?
1: Sure well, so forty hours is is not a lot it's It's only you know about a one week um, period of time if someone's working full time and and it's important to think about the things that these covers, not just your own illness, but if you have a sick uh, child or spouse or loved one that you're caring for including if, you know, you have a, a sick child home from school and, and need to take time off to care for them, preventative medical care, um, any, you know, follow-up doctor's appointments for a chronic condition. All of these things require time off often because they occur during business hours. Mm-hmm. So, so 40 hours is, is certainly a start, but, you know, we, we, we'd like to see more than that. But in addition to sick time, um, you know, it's, it's important to keep in mind that there, you know, folks have more serious medical conditions, um, not just in in a pandemic, but in you know quote unquote normal times, including things like back surgery or, oh yeah, treatment for cancer or other serious illnesses, um, for which they may require more extended leave. That that forty hours is not going to be sufficient, um, and that's where we have protections under paid family medical leave laws that allow more extended time off, often in weeks as opposed to days, um, to provide pay in the circumstances that um, would ordinarily be covered by the federal FMLA, but for which employers aren't required to pay you. So that's why I think both paid sick time and paid family medical leave are, are crucially important to account for You know, ordinary illnesses like colds, flus, stomach bugs, things like that, as well as the more serious um, extended illnesses that unfortunately can occur even when we're not in crisis times like we are currently.
0: Yeah, cancer comes to mind. I think that's a really good point. I mean, cancer patients, even survivors, end up having to take a lot of time off work, and it's a very common uh, disease.
1: Unfortunately, yes, um, and and it's even more heartbreaking when someone is is suffering from a serious illness like that and worrying about whether they will have sufficient income or, or have a job to go back to.
0: Yeah. The federal government recently has passed more legislation to provide more sick leave. I think it's called the Emergency Family Medical Leave Act. If I have that right, um, but tell me who's left out of that.
1: So, so the big gap is that workers at um, very large companies, so for five that employ five hundred or more employees, are carved out of those new protections at the federal level. Another one are workers who are able to telework. So these protections for emergency leave do not apply if you're able to work from home um, in whatever uh, you know challenging circumstances those those may be uh, at this time. And the law also um, allows the employers of healthcare providers and emergency responders to um, opt out and, and potentially exempt them from coverage.
0: Okay, so let me get this straight. This is this is kind of crazy, it seems to me. So the first one is, I mean, I guess this is a naive question to be asking in our in our uh,
1: country. <laughs>
0: Why would those large employers be carved out?
1: That is a great question that I do not have an answer to. Okay, um, <laughs> okay, uh, it, it it certainly leaves out large swaths of of workers um, at at plenty of large employers, which is which is frustrating.
0: Okay. So that sort of freaks of corruption. And then the second one is if you are able to telecommute, then you are are not allowed to have access to this extended time. Is
1: that right? So, so so, I should, I should clarify that new federal law provides a couple of buckets. One is emergency paid sick time and one is um, public health emergency leave that, that provides a more extended period of leave uh, in certain circumstances, most notably if, if your school or uh, your child's school or, or child care facility is closed. Um, but yes, both of those as sort of a, a threshold condition require that the employee um, be unable to, to work remotely. And so certainly, you know, folks who are able to telework as I've noted are are finding themselves in very challenging circumstances, often with kids at home, partners, you know, in different workspaces. um, But they are in, in many cases a more fortunate situation than workers who physically cannot work remotely and, and there's no way to do their jobs, you know, folks who work in uh, factories or restaurants, retail, any of those places where they have to, to be present um, somewhere. And so the emergency legislation um, does provide relief for those folks who, who just have no way to, to go in and do any portion of their job remotely.
0: Right. So I certainly don't resent that we're providing sick leave to people who have to go into their jobs and find that they're sick with COVID-19 or or uh, have to take care of someone who's got COVID-19. But I mean, just to clarify, so if you're at home and you have COVID-19 and you're out of sick leave through, you know, your normal provision, you can't access this new uh, emergency sick leave.
1: If you are, Korea, if you're able to do To telework and I and and a lot of this is still, you know, really recent and and Mm -hmm. we don't have full clarification on what amount of telework um, is sufficient or what would count under that but, um, but that is correct, Um, as the law is written, it does not cover folks who are able to work remotely.
0: Okay. Well, sorry to be putting you in the position of trying to explain something that seems, That's okay. that seems a little zany. Time. <laughs> right, exactly. And then what yep. was the third, what was the third class of people who are left out?
1: So the, so the law does provide um, for, you know, the, the employers of healthcare providers and emergency responders can elect to exclude them from this, which is, you know, Difficult because these are folks who are certainly needed more than ever right now, but they also have their own uh, illnesses and families to care for and, and their own challenges. So it, it, it is it, it is not that they are automatically excluded. Their employers can elect to exclude them. And, you know, it remains to be seen how that will actually play out.
0: Well, that just seems draconian. I mean, our, <laughs> our poor medical workers, I mean, they're on the front line with COVID-19. Yeah. They're getting they're getting really,
1: really sick. Correct. I mean, they're, they're the heroes of, um, of, you know, our, of our current situation and economy and, and we owe them endless gratitude uh, and hope that their employers are allowing them to take the time they need to, to, you know, take care of their own health or their families when they need it.
0: Well, and for their patients as well. I mean, they're, they're some of the last people we want to be working sick,
1: Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. When you talk about the public health case, um, it, it, these folks are, you know, right on the front lines. And it's, it's crucial that, that they not be sick and, and, you know, creating more of a threat.
0: Okay. Well, I just have to say, you've, uh, you've very much enlightened me about that <laughs> legislation. <laughs> I'm kind of taken aback.
1: Uh, what about family
0: leave policies? Can any of those help in this situation?
1: Sure. So um so so the states uh, that have passed some form of, of family uh or medical leave typically allow uh that leave can be taken for a serious serious health condition, um, either your own or a family member or loved one for whom you're providing care. And so things like what, what I just discussed earlier, serious illnesses. And um, so th- those laws exist and provide benefits to employees to, that, that they can draw from in normal times, again, quote unquote, normal times. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's certainly possible that coronavirus would be considered a serious health condition under one of these laws. So if you yourself have symptoms or have been you know, seeing a healthcare provider, been hospitalized for coronavirus, or are caring for someone who is, it would, it, it's possible that those benefits might kick in. It, it would, it would certainly depend on how the laws are written. Um, again, what types of symptoms someone someone has, and whether they've been diagnosed, things like that. But it's definitely worth looking into if you live in one of those uh, states that that has those protections. They may well apply to this situation. Mm-hmm.
0: I think when I talked to you at the very beginning, you made a comment about that there there's a there really is no social safety net. So tell us how the pandemic has really brought
1: that uh, to
0: the forefront, and what do you mean by that?
1: So things like, you know, we, we've been mentioning um, for, you know, millions of workers, they have no access to a single paid sick day. We, we don't have universal child care in this country. We don't have paid family medical leave at the federal level. So, you know, so many workers are on the brink, um, are, are, are working and, and living paycheck to paycheck as it is, um, and are really one health crisis away from um, not being able to make ends meet, because if they suddenly need. To stay home when they're sick, um, or they're they're no longer able to go to work because businesses are closing. Folks are are not are being told that they cannot go into work. They don't have a right to receive any income during that time, uh, and folks are are really scrambling and realizing the the impacts of the lack of protections that we have, uh, and really finding themselves in in really dire circumstances.
0: So, if you uh, did imagine a different kind of system for us, what would you see that would be different?
1: So, in, in our, in our perfect world. I um, was going to say, yeah, dream,
0: dream big. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: you know, we would have uh, a right for every worker to paid sick time when they're sick, but not only when they're sick to seek preventative medical care um, and go to see the doctor for checkups and take their, their kids and their partners and their loved ones to the doctor when they need to, and to, to care for them. We'd have a right to, paid family medical leave that allows folks extended time off when they have a serious health condition and to take care of of a new child um, that would be, that would cover uh, parents of any gender, um, would be, you know, have an expansive definition of family members that are covered uh, and included for whom folks can provide care. We'd want to make sure that folks can take it without punishment, that there are really strong anti retaliation provisions that ensure that workers won't lose their jobs or, or be punished if they exercise these rights. And then lastly, you know, you and I talked about this earlier. I I, I do hope that this situation, you know, our current moment uh, in which folks are really required to, to be more flexible and understanding of, of the pressures that um, we are all under with the health crisis and um, kids home from schools. I hope that there's a greater appreciation for workplace flexibility, whether that's flexible working hours, job sharing, um, greater opportunities for remote work. Uh, I, I, I hope that this situation shines a light on the need for that kind of flexibility for for caregivers um, of all types, including you know folks who care for themselves when they, when they're sick. That we have that flexibility that we need to continue working safely, and um, and really hope that you know, the the flexibility that we are sort of forced into now uh, increases the awareness that it can be done um, and that it can really make, uh, you know, make it much easier for workers who are balancing their, their caregiving obligations and, and their job responsibilities.
0: One thing that I'm thinking about, and I'll just throw this out there and see if you have any reactions to it, is, you know, from a manager's standpoint, I would not have wanted my staff to be working while they're sick or overly stressed or, you know, just in various terrible kinds of circumstances because they wouldn't be very productive one, but also, you know, in order to build the kind of loyalty that you really want with your employees, you have to take care of them. And so I'm just thinking about, what the reaction of an employee is when he gets this kind of messaging from his employer that, you know, get your butt into work, no matter what, that you're, you know, it just does seem to me it sends a message of we really don't care about you. We don't really care about your health or your family. All we see is your labor. And I don't know, that just seems like a really, Disturbing message to send to somebody. Am I just out here in La La Land, California? <laughs> no, you're ab- you're
1: absolutely right, and you've, you've touched on another um, argument for these policies that recognize that employees are people and they have needs, and and they get sick, and um, they have you know loved ones that they may need to care for. Is that employers that provide these policies, whether they do it, you know, some, just as a matter of their own policy, and, and not when they're required to do so by law. Um, reap the benefits of that through employee loyalty and retention. Um, there, There's research on this that has indicated that it, it is it is beneficial to employers um, for their own bottom line, for their own, um, you know, sort of good relationships and, and dedication from their employees that, that people appreciate being uh, seen as individuals with needs uh, by their employers. I think that's a really, really important point.
0: Oh, good. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, intuitively, that makes sense. But... Yeah, if you can translate that into profits in our uh, capitalist society, I think that, you know, it just helps the argument. So I'm glad -hmm. glad you brought that up. All right. So many parents are home now um, with their children, but they're still (laughs) trying to, quote unquote, work from home as though... Well, I, the whole image just seems kind of amusing to me. You know that they're working from home, right? So you have a baby at home, but you're working from home, and and the children, whatever. You know they'll just go and take care of themselves. <laughs> so, what kind of stresses do you think this these new circumstances are putting on our uh, system of of work life balance?
1: So, so it's no secret, parents. You know we're juggling. Struggling to juggle it all um, before they were had had their children at home, and and were literally trying to do it all in real time. But but I think it's it's interesting, and and um, we have have had often workplace cultures where caregivers try to hide the fact that they have uh, children or caregiving Mm -hmm. obligations um, because they they fear that they're punished for it, or stereotypical assumptions will be made about them and their commitment to their work. But now it, it's sort of unavoidable. I mean, we've all sort of had those meetings where folks, you know, kids have wandered into the conference call, um, mm-hmm. myself included. I, I, have, I have a son who's made an appearance um, on calls with colleagues. And, and so it, it is really, you know, sort of coming out front and center in, in, in ways that I think is, is forcing workplaces, you know, hopefully to adapt. But you know, as we've talked about earlier, these are the folks who are able to work remotely, um, who you know, these are the parents who are in many cases are are the lucky ones um, who can continue to to do their jobs, however challenging they may be while having children at home, where there are a number of workers who the fact that their kids' schools or childcare centers have closed means that they can't go to work and they can't earn a paycheck and And the stress of not knowing when they'll be able to go back to work again is is very real you know, I, I workers in, in jobs who don't have access to pay tick time are disproportionately women and people of color. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are also the folks who often shoulder the, the bulk of caregiving responsibilities. So there's real concern that this, you know, pandemic, however long it lasts will widen income inequality mm-hmm. between hourly workers uh, and salaried workers. And um, it may well accelerate the gender wage gap, because women are more likely to be shouldering caregiving responsibilities. And if, if they're out of work for an extended period of time and, and struggle to, to get back to a, you know, to a similar place in their working life, that could accelerate issues that, that have existed long before the pandemic, but that may well be exacerbated by the current situation.
0: I was comparing school closures across the states with business closures, and schools are closed in 46 states. But when I was looking at the list of essential businesses in California, those that are allowed to stay open, it's actually quite broad. I was surprised how many businesses are still operating. So to your point, these are people who can't telecommute in most cases, which leaves a lot of parents needing childcare (laughs) because they're required to go to work and the schools are closed. Uh, So talk about stressing an already frail system. Do you have any advice for people who are in that boat and kind of at their wits end?
1: So as a parent, I say, hang in there. um, All the (laughs) best good vibes. Um, But, you know, in, in my with my employment lawyer hat on, um, I will say that there's a lot of work being done by legislative bodies across the country to try and address this crisis and provide income replacement, childcare benefits, other um, needs that, that folks have. And so um, I would just encourage people to visit our website. Mm. A Better Balance has been closely monitoring um, the legislative efforts that are underway and they're happening quickly. Um, and we have a lot of information that's being updated constantly with fact sheets about the new legislation rights that may apply. So our our website is www.abetterbalance.org. And and I encourage folks to check that out.
0: Good. So if you had a magic wand, what would you like to see happen right away as soon as we come out of quarantine?
1: Universal paid paid sick time and paid family medical leave, um, not just related to the pandemic, but for any health issues um, that, that may arise as we've discussed. With protections in place to make sure workers can use them without facing discipline or having their jobs lost, and and as we've discussed, you know, sort of greater understanding and appreciation for the challenges facing caregivers, which you know is not simply limited to parents, but folks who provide care in any uh, in any form uh, for loved ones, for family members who who are you know in need of of support. So. I hope that the lessons that we are all learning in real time will lead to lasting change.
0: Good. I hope so too. Well, thank you for the work that you do. And before I let you go, I wondered if there's anything else you'd like to share with the listeners, how they can follow your work or take action or anything you'd like to share with them.
1: Sure. So as as I mentioned earlier, um, I really encourage folks to check out our website. We have tons of materials and fact sheets uh, about paid sick time and paid family and medical leave protections at at the state and local level. Um, We also have a fabulous resource called BabyGate that provides um, state by state guides to um, for the for the rights of pregnant workers and new parents, including breastfeeding accommodations and that whole suite of protections. And we also operate a free and confidential legal helpline. Um, so if you have questions about uh, your rights on any of these issues, to, to paid sick time, paid family medical leave, the rights of, of workers who are pregnant or, or needing accommodations on the job, uh, we uh, have a, a fabulous helpline that, that we can always accept calls and, and try to steer uh, workers in the right direction. So our phone number is one eight three three need abb. Uh, so that's one e <laughs> Um and and you know, I would encourage folks to call.
0: Good, and I'll put that in the show notes also. Great. All right, yeah, that's wonderful. Anything else?
1: no, i I, I really appreciate your uh, the invitation to join join the conversation. I think this is an important one, um, and I, I it's great to be having it with you.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate
1: it. Thanks very much, Jennifer.
0: That's it, everybody. You've made it through another episode of Dear Discreet Guide, Trouble at Work. During the pandemic, we'll be changing our format in honor of those who are quarantined or working on the front lines. We'll put out shorter shows on a daily or near daily basis early in the morning to start your day on a positive and interesting note. We'll be considering work-related issues relevant while COVID-19 is impacting the world. If you have a question or a comment or a message for our listeners, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us through the website, discreetguide.com, D-I-S-C-R-E-E-T, where you can also find other resources about working better together. Thank you for joining my quest to improve our workplaces, our work lives, and our lives in general. And thanks for listening. We look forward to returning to our old format when the world has returned to a more normal state. In the meantime, please hang in there, stay safe, and know that I care about you.